I don't believe in free speech. I don't believe in free speech. I can't stand what they teach. kids these days <laughs> you know ah. i just seriously what the fuck is going on i remember just a little you know a little sidetrack about you know this is just a nice generalized what has happened to the world kind of old man thing you know here but um <laughs> but ah. i remember like we're both old enough to remember when nobody had cell phones and I remember uh, – I'm young enough though that I remember like when everybody started getting cell phones, I was old enough that I was out in bars. I'm young enough that I was still like out boozing and having lots of friends and stuff when this started to happen. So I was – I had like a big social circle. But I'm also old enough to remember that when nobody had phones. So um, I remember a time when um, people – this first started to happen where you'd have a group like, you know – like five, ten people sitting around a table drinking and everybody's hanging out and then somebody pulls out their phone and is suddenly not part of the group anymore. And I remember the whole group would turn on them like, dude, what the fuck? Hey, asshole with the phone over there. What are you doing? Like it was like the equivalent now of, of like suddenly somebody coming out and going, you know, there's only two genders, right? It was like somebody would pick up <laughs> and it really was like these are – so the point is these weren't like crotchety old men yelling at them. This would be your cool contemporary hipster friend who were all like 23 years old who would be like oh hey look at the asshole over here with the phone and then like five years later like at that time it was so rude it was it was people would say the same thing they would go dude would you just like you're just gonna like pick up i'm talking to you we're having a conversation and you're suddenly just gonna pick up your phone and start talking to somebody else virtually and ignoring and i'm talking to you and all of a sudden you're going "Uh uh-huh uh huh. It's like when you're talking on the phone on somebody and you hear them like clacking keys in the background and you realize they're not fucking listening to you. But except they're yeah. doing this to your face because that's how the world is. At the time when that first started to happen, people would get pissed off. Cool people, hip people who know what's up. You know, like kids who are always willing to like, you know, everybody forgives their friends. It's not the same as like your dad or your mom coming in and judging you. This is like your friends. They do the same crap. It's like you drink too much, but your friends all drink too much too. So it's fun to hang out with them because nobody judges you for your dysfunctional behavior. Well, that's how it was back then with cell phones, except at the beginning, you know, it was still considered unbelievably rude. It's like, what the fuck? We're having a conversation here and suddenly you're ignoring me? That's not cool. And everybody agreed. But within like five years, suddenly making an issue out of it was not cool. And then everybody else would look at you and go, what is your problem? I'm just looking at my phone. So within like the space of five years, we went from nobody could believe how rude this was to that's just the way it is. And you're an asshole if you object. Right. Yeah. That's what happened where suddenly the idea that the idea that you would be expected to actually sit there face to face and communicate with another human being without distraction and that it would be rude to suddenly just start ignoring them. That whole idea went out the window. And the same thing has happened now. You know, this is kind of just a kids these days um, sort of analogy. It's not a kids these days analogy. It's how everybody is. It's the whole world now. But the same thing has happened now within a span of five years. The same thing happened with, with gender, right? Where, you know, at a certain point, everybody was going like, trans what the fuck is this you know like it really was like when that first thing first thing started to happen people could talk about it there was a whole thing within the span of three years maybe suddenly there was this flashpoint thing and now we've gotten to the point where 
there is, of course, as we discuss all the time, no capacity for, it's the same thing where suddenly the guy who goes, um, I don't think it's cool to break your cell phone out at the table and start ignoring me. I was trying to talk to you. And everybody's like, was like, dude, that is a total microaggression. <laughs> you know? What yeah. happened? Although we don't, you don't want to make it seem like being trans is like being rude or using your cell phone. No, but that's, that's not what I'm talking account. about. What I'm being trans, again, like this, this is what you and I always come down to is like, like we're trying to be, we're trying to take this centrist stance where we're like constantly going like, okay, everybody, once again, it's not trans people that we're against. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all the crazy people surrounding the trans issue. I'm talking about, and sometimes it is trans people who are being the assholes. So like, okay, let's just talk about this by example. We, we, one thing we were talking about recently was Rosie Kay, right? The choreographer. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is to me, I think a perfect example of of exactly this dilemma that we like we just got in where I'm talking and then you're like hey be careful it's not about trans people like <laughs> so Rosie Kay is like really established choreographer right she started her own company in 2004 I think like forever ago and she's known as like she's done all these like socially progressive things right I think that's from just my I didn't I wasn't familiar with her until you know this thing until this thing happened with her but it was back in like December or something I think she had um, at least the article I read was back in December. It was sometime fairly recently. She she um, gave a, a private dinner at her house for like a half a dozen or so of the dancers in her company. The day after this dinner party, the dancers um, wrote an open letter that got to the BBC. I don't know if they sent it to the BBC or whatever, but they wrote some sort of open letter. Um, and Rosie Kay um, apologized Right away, she did that thing that we've discussed before, where she said, you know, like, you apologize and then the apology is rejected. She said, I am devastated by how the night went and how much it has affected you. It was never my intention to upset you, but I see now that I did so profoundly. I am truly sorry for this. Um, so then the dancers were just pissed off even more. And one of them said to the BBC that they didn't feel like the apology was, quote, made with true ownership of the fact that she made transphobic comments. By refusing to use dancers' correct pronouns and rejecting their trans non-binary identities, Rosie is denying that a trans non-binary person can exist. This is transphobia. That's what they said in the letter. The first thing we're discussing is that, like, it just isn't transphobia in the first place. But let's go past that and ask the other question. Even if she is transphobic, does that have a, does that mean that that she shouldn't be allowed to have a dance company? That she should be, she should be shut down and silenced and canceled, and she just has to go upstairs now, like the fucking like the women when they turn thirty and Fellini's eight and a half. Like, sorry, you're too old. You got to go upstairs now. To me, this whole thing is such a great example of of so many things uh, of the way that we have put the vocabulary of like psychoanalysis into the hands of pissed off kids so that they can weaponize it every time they're unhappy with the way something's going. You know, that's... And and when it's their boss, who they're not going to like anyway, because nobody likes their boss. Newsflash. Yes. Nobody <laughs> likes their boss. Nobody likes their parents. Nobody likes their partners once their partners start making life difficult for them by asking for things. You know, like, <laughs> every time something starts going against you, you can just say, that's a microaggression. You're abusing me. This is this kind of abuse. This is, I mean, and, and, and going back, you know, it's again, 
difficult subjects, right? We can we can get more into this. There's different kinds of abuse, you know. I remember being pissed off when people started. There was a time, I don't know, 20 years, 25 years ago, where all of a sudden everybody started kind of saying like emotional abuse. It's like this way of quali- kind of qualifying the statement a little bit. Like, okay, you're not like you're not like the bad guy in a movie who hits me in the face every time I, you know, every time I mess up the uh, the dinner. But this is emotional abuse. And like, am I as am I saying that emotional abuse doesn't occur? Of course not. But at the same time, what I am saying is that it's really easy to start throwing the word abuse around in a relationship. And that's a very complicated concept. And it's way, abuse is like the term abuse is the most overused word in, in the century so far. Because every time somebody hurts your feelings, you can say they've abused you. Every time somebody does something that's unfair fair you can use the word abuse it's just it's it's like brilliant it's like how every like 16 year old girl in the world is convinced that her boyfriend is a genius you know it's like you always do this is like dad you don't understand he's a genius he says things that no one has ever <laughs> thought about before the other day he played he played me this song on his guitar and it was like it was you it was like I, it's better than the beatles you know? hey hey i've been there girl watch <laughs> <laughs> right so that's great, you know, good for them. But it's everybody can't be geniuses, right? Everybody can't be brilliant. It's like Einstein, so Stephen Hawking, your boyfriend, Bill. <laughs> that, that reminds me of something Bill said. <laughs> and so I, I realized listening to the, like listening to the episode, I realized like every time I have go for, I reach for a hypothetical name, it's always Bill. I don't know why. It's always something Bill. <laughs> so it's become like my pattern. I'm gonna just keep using Bill. It's like the Bill Show. <laughs> but let's see if I let's can. Let's talk about Bill again. Well, so we've abused the term abuse. Yes. Let's just go back to that, and then. So these young employees of their boss go to a, a dinner party at her house that's meant to be, I assume, sort of fun. But, you know, it's it's always weird when you're doing something on personal time with mm-hmm. your coworkers or your boss because it's like, is it work? Is it not work? So she m- maybe has been drinking, lets her hair down. Um, exactly. And s- starts talking about something having to do with gender and trans issues and then they don't like what she said. So what did she say? Right. That's kind of basically exactly what happens. So the next show that she was planning um, was based on uh, Virginia Woolf's Orlando um, about a poet who changes from a man to a woman. So this is dangerous territory already, right? It's like, what's a man? What's a woman? You can't change from like it's like it's either or. I'm, you know, you can imagine something like that happening really quickly, like a bunch of like a 45-year-old choreographer who um, – she seems to basically think along the lines of J.K. Rowling. I'll, I'll quote some stuff here, but her main concern seems to be um, mostly, you know, she's watching out for, you know, she's she, like she does. She's definitely like does not support like same sex toilets, for example. Right. She's worried about the she she feels like she's what they would call Wait, a Wait, she turf. does support. She does support same sex toilets. A doesn't. They're talking about or uh, they're talking about, you know, her next show based on Orlando. The dancers claim that she said Quote, identifying as non-binary is a cop-out. And she said, quote, allowing trans people to take hormone blockers is creating eunuchs. And quote, trans women are a danger to actual women in toilets and only want access to female toilets to commit sexual assault. This is what the dancers said, okay? Now, 
That uh, would be in, incredibly simplistic and mean yeah. if that's what she said. Mm-hmm. But I suspect she probably said something. Think back to more the, the last time you had an argument with your significant other. How accurate <laughs> is your memory of what they said verbatim? Five seconds later, much less the next day, a bunch of people who were drunk the night before in the heat of a debate are going to quote, you're going to quote her word for word in an open letter that the BBC is going to see. I mean, you uh, you need to have some like uh, some ethics about like, are, is this really exactly what she said or is it what she said in your memory through your filter of paranoid uh, victimhood? Because that seems possible too, not just to, not to bias this too much here from the beginning. But you know what I'm saying? Like you can't. This nobody was. This wasn't. The point is there wasn't a tape recorder rolling at this time, right? Yeah, and if it's not paranoid victimhood, it it's simply a, a kind of hyper vigilant wokeness, in my view, such that you're always watching for somebody to trip up and get something wrong and not give them the benefit of the doubt through conversation. Like, wait, do you mean that trans women are actually a danger to straight women? Or do you mean that regular predatory straight guys could take the new bathroom rules to go in to women's bathrooms to perv and prey on those women, whether they're trans women or, or cis women? Is it that we wouldn't have any way to enforce any boundary in the restroom to keep women and girls safe? It, or do you really think trans women are a danger? Because everybody knows there's no, there's no uh, evidence that trans women are a danger to women and girls. They just want to use the restroom with them. If anything, they are in danger of being preyed upon as well. So it's it but but instead of giving someone the benefit of the doubt or asking them to clarify their opinion people just jump on it and try to see it as a sign that you hold the wrong view and it just it seems like that's i don't know i blame social media for that yeah 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 exactly it's it's the, the echo chamber it just it just it just yeah. takes everything and just spins it in in the worst direction and i mean you you yeah. hit the nail on the head exactly because it the whole thing is like it's like I mean, uh, whenever you create a situation like this where the the snowball just has its own momentum at this point. So now when you take a bunch of people who are on the same side bullying everybody and you get into this spirit, this McCarthyan, we can use McCarthyanism instead of Nazis, you know, where everybody is accusing everybody of being a communist. The, the whole game of like ruining people's lives because you think they're a communist, it's fun until somebody accuses you of being a communist. And all I'm saying is historically the lesson is that that can happen very quickly. Like you, if you create, if you help to create this situation where anybody's life can be destroyed at any second by a mere accusation, how long do you think it's going to be before they turn on you? You know, and you and these people that are apologizing to these bullies, how long do you think it's going to be? You know, you apologize and you help create this thing. And there, how long do you think it's going to be before if you placate these people, there, there is no you can't placate them because they will just take more and more and then they will just turn on you. And even people who are on the same side like these, you have six dancers at Roy at Rosie Kay's dinner and they're all on the same side with a common enemy, Rosie Kay. And then a month from now, you know, one of them, like one of them is going to slip up and say the wrong thing. And then the other five are going to turn on them because they're fucking hyenas. Well, and, it, you know, it's funny because we started with 
people being addicted to their phones now and accepting that and being on social media all the time. And I really do think that people have kind of got, I don't know if they've learned to argue over social media, but they've certainly been impacted by it. And so now we do have these really nasty, uh, I, I can't even call them debates because no one's really debating anything, but just these nasty ways of attacking people. You mean like the comment and, section, like the kind of yeah. comment section, um, like really abusive, like like down and out, just brawl stuff you would never say to somebody's face. Right. Uh, and yeah, and part of that is because they can be anonymous. But even people who aren't anonymous, like on Twitter, they're vicious. And what they're doing is just sort of they circle the wagons. They're they're not interested in asking people to clarify their positions or, you know, t- it, 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 it lends itself to or it has been adapted to just being ruthless and trying to discredit the person mm-hmm. you think you're opposed to. And, you know, make sure you, you know, get, get in an ad hominem attack against the person. I mean, I, I have so many colleagues who've been skewered on Twitter and they and no one even addresses their argument. If it's if it's an article they wrote, nobody even talks about uh, anything in the article. It's not even clear that anybody who's tweeting against them has even read it. They just say something really attacking and try to position them as the wrong person with the wrong view, and everybody should line up against them. There's no way you can actually enjoy having a debate the way a real debate is supposed to go, the way in college we're supposed to develop these skills, Mm -hmm. and and we're supposed to provide a, a space for that. I feel like people now just engage in abuse. And I don't even know if they know the difference between debate, de- deliberation, argumentation, and abuse. Well, there's that. Uh, it's scary. Remember that book? Um, uh, Sarah Schulman wrote that book called "Conflict Is Not Abuse." Yeah, yeah, which is a great book. The author makes the point that in some some people do have trouble distinguishing, like we said before regular conflict, which is a normal part of life in relationships with your boss, with your coworkers, with your teachers, with fellow students, whatever, um, with abuse. But then, and you're saying though, like you said before, that the whole word abuse, like as an emotional abuse has been abused so that people who are just having a, um, to be expected part of life conflict because people are different and they don't always see eye to eye or want the same things are then reinterpreting that regular normal conflict as abuse because they're too mature to know how to handle a regular adult conflict or differing points of view, which goes back to that dinner party. Was it, was anybody, you know, doing something out of bounds and creating a, doing a microaggression or something, or were they just, did they just have, so slightly different takes on a transgender issue. Right. How do we distinguish that? Yeah, going back to the Rosie K thing for a situation, because I realize I'm just kind of jumping all over the place. Um, yeah. So what happened, though, is getting back to, okay, so she, what they accused her of, they wrote this letter. Now, and keeping in mind, this is in her own home. She made some comments. Now, they are saying that, you know, she said these blatant things. And that's what got us going on this whole digression, was that... Um, can you trust the accuracy of memory? You you know, it's like when you get in an argument with with your significant other, you know, it's like the person says 
I, I didn't feel well the other day and I really wanted you to make me coffee, but you know, but you know, you kind of weren't getting on it. So I had to go make coffee myself and it, you know, it made me feel like whatever. And the other person hears like, you know, you never do anything for me. And then they say like five minutes later, they're going, well, you just said that I basically never do shit and I'm a worthless human being. And then you go, that's not what I said. What I said is when you made me take the trash outside after I threw my back out, I thought that, you know, I like, you know, it would be cool if you'd help out more. I didn't say you never do anything. I didn't say you were an asshole. I didn't say you were worthless. But that's what the person hears. And they literally think that you said that because you just hear you hear the interpretation and the interpretation is coming through your filter with all of your insecurities and all the fucking shit with your dad that never got resolved from 40 years ago. I mean, that's what you hear. And you think that's what people said to you. A. Yeah. And then you go tell all your friends that's what they say. Yeah, exactly. And then you get on <laughs> social like, media. What an asshole. Exactly. Like you were saying, like it used to be this is just you and your significant other in your own little private hell in your house. And maybe you talk to a couple of friends. But now you immediately get on, you know, get on social media and tell everybody else. And then, and you, and then 200 people come in and say like, oh, you poor thing and support you and validate you and nobody because you don't have any real friends. You just have a bunch of bullshit Facebook friends. So they all come in and they all just validate you because those are the rules. A real friend would say, well, okay, what exactly did they say? And they would help you understand this. But, but if somebody did that now, you're so used to not having friends like that. If somebody actually calls you, then you would say, if somebody said, well, what exactly did they say? Because it doesn't really sound like this. Then you would say, oh, you're defending him now? Whose side are you on? Yeah. Well, I'm not on anybody's yeah. side, right? So that's the first thing is that you can't completely – people just hear a total bullshit version of what actually happened in the first place. A. B, um, there's this complete overstatement of harm, right? And that's um, conflict, uh, conflict is not abuse. The book we were talking about, I went off on a big tangent and didn't talk about it really, but – that talks a lot about the overstatement of harm, right? Uh, you know, conflating conflict with abuse. Every time somebody makes you feel uncomfortable, they've abused you. Every time somebody even disagrees with you, they've abused you. I come from the Ernest Becker line of thought where it's like your survival depends on a very precarious narrative that you have worked out in your head that allows you to forget about the fact that you are just this dying mortal creature whose life doesn't mean anything. So if somebody comes along and just fucks that philosophy up a little bit, you're basically willing to fight to the death with them immediately because they're not just they're not just messing with your opinion about this one subject. They're putting your survival at risk. That's how it feels existentially, and that's what these woke assholes are literally saying. You are threatening our survival. I brought up Becker because I was saying, um, what the, how did I bring that up? What was the, yeah, we were talking about the Rosie K dinner. So first of all, they all say like, oh, she said these horrible things. She said like trans people were eunuchs and all this stuff, right? Well, that, that you, did she say use, using the hormones to become gender non-binary, uh, suppress your sexuality because the, the, you're messing with your hormonal system. So they're suppressing your sex drive, which we used to in the 70s and 80s call being a eunuch. Rosie Kay's response to this was, um, quote, I said, and it is correct to say that women are losing rights to males who identify as women. Uh, these include rights to single sex spaces. This is not an analogy. It is a statement of fact, and I do not apologize for it. And then she also ah. said, end quote, and she also said that the 
the mention of eunuchs was a reference to Germaine Greer's feminist text, The Female Eunuch. Basically, what happened is she said some things. Um, they disagree about who said what. But the next day uh, or something, uh, you know, soon after that, her dancers wrote a public open letter uh, saying that she was transphobic. And this is, and she has recently. The reason this this article was published because she has uh, she has stepped down from her own company that she founded now because of these accusations. This article does say, uh, <clears throat> according to this article in the BBC, it does state that she um, she does not believe a person can change their biological sex. She says her rights to be gender critical are protected in law, and she said that this puts her at odds with those who say transphobia in the UK is increasing and argue that questioning whether the identities of trans people are real fuels divisions and could lead to hate crimes. So there's a lot of things going on in that one thing, right? First of all, saying something, like it's this question, free speech or hate speech. Like if I say there's no such thing as uh, non-binary, that's a bullshit political identity. So actual, you know, Trans people make that argument. I've heard that argument from trans people. It's been printed. It's published. You can read trans people making the argument that non-binary is not cool with them, that it's a political identity. Because they're wedded to the gender binary. They're wedded to the gender binary. A men or women and a non gender non-binary doesn't pick a side in the binary. Right. That's right. And they're also, resp- they're also responding, though, to the political cachet of the word non-binary. It's like, it, like, like being non-binary, saying you're non-binary all of a sudden gives you this enormous capital and this moral authority and this right to speak and this right to sit at the table. These people, and this, uh, these dancers of Rosie Kay, um, the point is that they, they made these accusations. It's completely, she said to step down from her own company. And then my favorite part of this story is that immediately after they make these accusations public, publicly against her, they tell her, they call her transphobic. And then she responds, she goes to the press and responds to defend herself. And now they are claiming that by her doing that, she's putting them in danger. That's my favorite part is that they call her out as transphobic. She defends herself. And now they're, they're accusing her of essentially abusing them. She's, they're saying, Rosie Kay is going to ruin our career by talking about this in the press. And that isn't fair to us. The classic BPD move of like, I'm going to like attack you. And then while, while I'm attacking you simultaneously, not only am I not going to validate you for the fucking abuse I'm laying on you, but I'm going to actually accuse you of abusing me for defending yourself. That's literally what they're doing is accusing her of abusing them for defending herself in the press because she has more power because she's using her power as an older dancer or an established authority figure. I mean, who has more power in this situation? A bunch of 20-year-old dancers just got, uh, the, just got somebody fired from their own company for saying a couple of things at her dinner. So who has more power? You know? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's time to drop oh, the man. victim bullshit, kids, okay? Because you seem to have a disproportionate amount of power. You can get your professors fired at any second. You can get your boss fired. The, the, the founder of the company in which you dance has to step down from her own company because you don't like something she said at dinner. Yeah. Rosie Kay, to quote Rosie Kay, she said, I am not transphobic. I believe adults can behave and live any way they want, but I believe in the protection of women's rights. The presence of males who may falsely say they are trans women in female toilets can cause trauma 
to women who have suffered sexual assault as a significant number of women have. So the question you were asking was, is that about trans? Is she saying, is she saying all trans women are just men pretending no. to be women? Or is she, is she talking about men who would essentially pose as trans to go in to, to, to do something? Right. I, I think the latter, but I think that's the, the argument has become so polarized that people always assume that a feminist who's worried about regular cis men perving on women and girls in these newly opened up and flexible spaces like, uh, you know, locker rooms where you just use the one that you think is most appropriate, it does allow for, you know, certain predatory cis men to go in and prey on or perv on women and girls. And that that is, and that is not saying that actual trans women are going to do that. It's saying that we don't have any way to stop the other men from coming in or the, other, the men we're really talking about and worried mm-hmm. about. But people don't acknowledge that, you know, gay rights and women's rights have not always aligned with perfect synchronicity. There have always been ways in which women's rights and gay rights um, and those movements have um, have been, you know, uh, had different agendas and sometimes have been conflicting. And the trans agenda um, also has not always aligned with the sort of feminist critiques of gender and sexuality. And um, and there's been ways in which feminists amongst themselves concerned with women's rights have disagreed, right? They've disagreed over porn. They've disagreed over bondage and domination and sadomasochistic sex. They've, they've disagreed on sex work. They've disagreed on all kinds of stuff. And so it, it, it's not strange or new that there are different movements that center on gender and sexuality in one way or the other, but that don't align up perfectly and have the same agenda. And sometimes they're going to conflict. I mean, look, one of the, one of the key conflicts I feel like nobody ever acknowledges is the, the history of um, gay male bathhouses and, and sexual hookup culture that where this could be a uh, freeing and liberating um, thing for some men and, they there might even be sort of uh, according to the ethnographers who've written about this, um, you know, the a certain sort of uh, nonverbal eye contact based method of showing you're interested and in having sex with someone and it and not really be based on explicit verbal consent. But, you know, knowing that this guy is interested in hooking up with me and we're going to go to this room and have sex and. And nobody's saying you you didn't get my consent. You didn't get there. There's a ethnographers have shown that there are methods that are understood in this subculture of obtaining and expressing consent, and that flies in the face of the the campus feminist anti sexual assault movement, which tells you that you don't have consent unless you have complete explicit verbal consent at every step of the sexual encounter there's there's a whole like college sexual code of conduct now it's like literally inscribed in the student code of conduct and they go way beyond the what the law says it's not just enough to have consent you have to have explicit consent and then some say oh it's not just enough to have explicit consent you need to have enthusiastic consent and some of those um 
booklets for students literally give examples. Like they say, for example, someone would need to say, yes, yes, oh, yes. (laughs) I mean, they give you explicit sort of instructions for how to sound enthusiastically, explicitly consenting. And that that's that doesn't capture a gay male bathhouse culture, you know. So there's that's a completely different way of understanding how we're going to hook up sexually, and so it's there's there's a ton of examples like that. I mean, think of all the feminists. Who, I've been I was at conferences in the '90s where in Berkeley, feminists were like crying and screaming at the conferences because one set was so mad that the other set embraced. Um, bondage and domination and sadomasochistic sex as potentially liberating. Whereas the, the ones crying, crying and screaming were so upset because they thought that as feminists, they'd work so hard to challenge that uh, heteronormative patriarchal model of how you would have sex where one person has to be dominant and the other submissive. And so they're like, how could you do this? You're setting the women's movement back 20 years. And 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 now, I mean, the you know who won out, right? The the sex positive yeah. BDSM people won out. And those people are like the, the, the those women now are like the people who like didn't think it was cool to break your cell phone out at the table. Now it's like what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. sex sex positivity. <laughs> now you all the now way. you're not just gonna break out your cell phone. You can break out your cell phone at the table. And it has porn. <laughs> That's supposed to be cool. Yeah. You can look at porn at the table. You can break out your cell phone and a vibrator, whatever it is, you know? I mean, <laughs> who's going to stop you? Like, like nobody's going to tell me that I can't masturbate in public. That's my pleasure. It's my body. See, there's an interesting question. Like, okay, it's your body. That's the <laughs> only point. So can I just like wank off at the bar if I feel like the bartender's hot? No, you can't do no. that because we're living and, in a society and- here. And there's other people affected. A man cannot expose himself. He would get arrested, right? You couldn't just pull your pants down or walk in naked. But if you're in the slut walk and you're a woman, you can go topless or have uh, just a little X with tape over your nipples and walk around and talk all about how you should be able to walk around naked or dress however you want and it not be seen as inappropriate. And it certainly shouldn't be seen as a a way to, as an excuse to victimize that woman. But will those same women allow a guy to walk around naked? This issue um, that you're bringing up about like slut walk and women dressing kind of like sex workers and expecting no one to sexualize them. This is a very interesting point that I haven't really thought about much. Uh, Just kidding, actually. I obsess about that all the time. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, it's it's like one of the biggest pieces of bullshit that modern feminism has to offer, which is that, like, I'm going to walk into the coffee – I mean, like, okay – I haven't been going out to the coffee shop lately because of the pandemic, um, but right up to pandemic time, um, what was basically pretty in at the time was like wearing shorts that are so short. I was literally, I was sitting in a Starbucks with an old woman. This is not a joke, a real story. This, this young college girl comes in, the old woman looks at her and she says to me, well, I just saw her vagina. <laughs> not a joke. Like, because literally from the like, back, thank God she said it. I didn't thank God say she it. said it because she has a right to say it, not me. If I say it, I, if I say it, I'm sexualizing her, and I'm like, uh, I'm, um, you know, I'm 
I'm objectifying her and sexualizing her. It's not, and that's the whole point is that I'm going to wear, that's the slut walk thing is like, what I wear is irrelevant to how I am perceived. Well, no, it's not actually. Only a fucking idiot would say that. It makes no sense. And this is how you get into trouble, but it's this fine line. Going back to your question, if I walk into a Starbucks in like a little G-string and I just walk up to somebody and stand there splayed about three feet away from their face. And I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? What the fuck? Are, hey, my eyes are up here, bitch. Look, at what are you looking at? What are you looking <laughs> yeah, at? They're, they're going to call the police they, on you. Exactly. They, not <laughs> only would I not be able to get away with that, they would call the police because I would be threatening their safety. I would be making them feel unsafe. We just need more men to stand up and say, I feel unsafe with all these tits and ass in my face. The problem is men aren't going to do that because they love it. But- Here's the problem, ladies. You can say that like, well, men like it. It doesn't matter, whatever. Nobody talks about that. The problem is, though, men may love it. But, you know, this is where it gets difficult is like you are – Jesus, how do you even say this? That doesn't sound all fucked up because you can't say, okay, well, men love it, but you've just solidified yourself as a certain kind of woman. That's the problematic old thing, right? Okay, Women are like one of two things. And if you walk in literally with your ass hanging out of your shorts, I just identify, I just categorized you as like, I could fuck her in the bathroom. I would never marry her. I wouldn't want to introduce her to my mother, but I'd fuck her in the bathroom. And then you move on to whoever. That's how men see the world. That's what feminists claim. The idea that we are objectifying every woman we see and we're breaking them down into virgin or whore, depending on, you know, with that binary. And what and the whole thing that's unproblematic, we're judging them based on what they wear. So you get the slut walk where everybody walks out into the streets wearing no clothes, basically dressed like sex workers. And the whole point is to claim that like your opinion of me should not change. If I'm dressed in a business suit or if I'm wearing lingerie, you should see me in the same way. If I wear lingerie to the office, if I wear a BDSM outfit to the office, or if I wear a pantsuit, your opinion of me should remain unchanged. That is insane. Okay, I will say it. That is an insane argument. And the problem with this fucking world is that the whole world has started to, to convince themselves that it's not insane. It comes from a good place. It starts off in a good place. It starts off with a girl gets into trouble at school because a boy, sex, a boy sexually harasses a girl and then the girl gets into trouble. Because she gets a she gets sent home with a letter that says, "Please tell Susie Q to stop dressing so provocatively. She's messing up the boy's ability to study." So it starts in a good place, right? But what you end up with is an insane place. Well, here's what I think might be happening too. You go back to this coffee shop scenario where women, on the one hand, justify dressing that way um, and not thinking of themselves as sort of inappropriately sexualizing a scenario and inappropriately sexually harassing men or threatening men on the grounds that men love it. Let's say they're saying, oh, well, all men want to see this anyway, so I'm just doing them a favor. Okay, so then what What about the, the women who are not considered conventionally attractive? Are, so men want that too? I was just going to bring that Or are they going to be like, oh, my God, put some clothes on? You and, of know? course, that's the sex-positive move. Like if some 300-pound girl comes in wearing like like wearing tiny half shorts and a, and a midriff and everybody's like, oh, of course – we know like the sex positive thing is like that – in fact, you see that more and more now in media, of course, is you take a completely out of shape – you take a completely oh. out of shape woman. <laughs> you take a woman – oh, uh, sorry. You take a conventionally unattractive – this is the problem with this brain, this voluntary <laughs> self-brain fuck we're all doing, OK? Like if you're, if you're really into 350-pound women, that's great. 
Good for you. Go get him, Tiger. But what I'm saying is I have a right not to be. And it doesn't make right. me a fucking terrible person. And I'm not going to apologize right. for it. Right. We all have our own, um, yeah, proclivities and things that turn us on. But the assumption that it's not offensive, you're not being a flasher who needs to be arrested. If you're a woman, um, especially an attractive young woman who's considered fuckable to <laughs> wear right. short shorts or a midriff or even no shirt or whatever it is. Um, and assume you're doing everyone a favor by letting them look gaze upon you. There, this idea that you know, oh, all men like it. All men are fans. You know, want to have sex with me, so it's fine. But I think there's something different possibly going on at work there, and that is going back to a eunuch situation. I think it's almost a uh, display, precisely to make sure men are thinking, I'm not supposed to desire that. I'm not, I, I am not going to think that that woman is interested in me. Or like, there, it's, it's almost a signal that I'm, I know I have y you uh, under a kind of new consciousness. I mean, because there's a lot of men out there, I think, straight men who don't even feel like they're allowed to be physically attracted to a woman and if they are it makes them sexist and rather than embrace a uh, a sexual interest and desire i mean so I, is that its own overcorrection? I, I was a big part of the anti-sexual assault movement of course i'm in favor of you know no assaults taking place by any gender against anybody but we in saying that we need to have consent and that sexual assault is bad and being a, ra a rapey person is bad, you, I think there we have left men somewhat, some men somewhat confused about what what kind of desire is okay. So I think that's a like great point. Are you not supposed to notice the woman who uh, came in as the, this older woman turned to you and said, oh, her vagina, I saw her <laughs> vagina. That woman, obviously a different generation, would have not, would have seen that as sort of debasing herself and making herself um, valuable just for her sexuality, which you know, the older version of feminism didn't want to do. And now it's supposed to be feminist and empowering to just be all into your sexuality. But you get to be into your sexuality because men are restrained because you know it isn't dangerous for the most part. That's right. We, we all know those certain garments carry uh, codes, which is why uh, the women in the slut walk, um, you know, had, there was an overabundance, last slut walk I saw anyway, there was an overabundance of pasties and fishnut stockings. Yeah, because like, those carry those a code. Are coded yes. as something a sex worker would wear. <laughs> they're fucking up their own argument, basically. They're going like, there should not be any code. See, if they understood the actual argument they were making instead of just being caught up in a fucking, like, you know, Nazi rally of like, you know, we all think the same. It's fun to be a part of a tribe. If they understood their own code, they would realize that they're fucking up their own thing. They're saying like, clothing should not be coded. Judge me on who I am, not on what I wear. As evidenced by this wonderful new outfit, Worn by Maria today. See her, she's wearing a pasties and a small teddy. That aligns her with sex work positivity. Yay, isn't that great? Look, this is this is coded. This this lingerie is coded as being sexy. They know it's sexy. How do they know if there's no such if there's no code? Right. How do they know what's sexy and what's not? Something like slut walk instantly strikes me as being just just so 
fucking uh, insincere, so inauthentic, so problematic. You know, because what it's doing is it's it's completely denying. It's a total denial of what? I don't want to say denial of reality because this gets you into the same territory as like saying like, you know, you're denying biological reality. What I'm saying is that it's like getting back to what you said about uh, about, you know, how women dress in public. I think I absolutely agree with you that, you know, women dressing provocatively in pu- just to go into public and say there's no such thing as dressing provocatively. I'm not dressed provocatively. I'm just wearing I'm just dressed the way I feel comfortable. And if you are sexualizing me, that's your fucking problem. I'm not doing anything. I'm just comfortable. Well, the thing is is I I can understand that too. I mean, you know what that's saying that youth is wasted on the young. When you're young, you might not realize. An 18-year-old might not have any idea how gorgeous he or she is or how gorgeous they are. They're they're new to their own bodies. They're they're young adults, and and they're just wearing whatever their friends are wearing. And if it looks way better on them, they might not even realize it. I mean, I I actually want to throw a bone to those people. They, They might really not be thinking about it. It doesn't mean that they're getting dressed in the morning, going, I'm going to put this small top and these little short shorts on because I'm trying to be provocative, because I'm such a hottie. They might not be thinking of themselves or their bodies that way or their clothing that way at all, right? So that's one thing to keep in mind. But but in other cases, of course, yes, people are totally, you know, um, dressing up to go to a party, you know, intentionally wearing something that they, you know, want to show off their assets and whatever. And, and in that case, they, they are, um, thinking about themselves as a sort of, you know, person on, on a kind of social display. Of course they are. The question of like, you know, hypothetical, young, attractive woman walks into a coffee shop with her pussy hanging out of her shorts how do we respond? You know, the old lady next to me goes, look, there's her vagina. And, you know, so, okay. First of all, point number one, we're living in a society here, people, okay? Do you have a right to dress however it feels comfortable? Because that's the argument, right? I'm just dressing how I feel comfortable. It's your problem if you sexualize me. Okay, so let's go with that. First question, do you have a right to dress however you feel comfortable? totally without regard to how it affects anyone else around you. They would say, yes, I do, because I'm a woman, so fuck you. But if you do it, then I'm going to put you in jail. Okay, so that's the first problem, is that if I go into a coffee shop dressed like that, and then that puts everyone's lives in danger, and everyone, see, that's, that's, that's different too, right? So we have these divisions. I'm not, I'm just saying we have divisions, right? We, we live in a society, we make rules. Like, you can't come in with a, a picture of Hitler on your shirt, because that's going to trigger people, okay? But what about how this young, attractive college girl in no clothing is making this middle-aged woman feel? Because I don't know about you, but I've been sitting, I've sat in public places plenty of times with women who aren't fucking 22 and gorgeous. Like most people aren't, okay? So much of this argument is taking place either around 22-year-old gorgeous girls or around a bunch of people who aren't, but they keep being told that they are by everyone else because of this, like, you're so special and perfect the way you are shit. I've sat around with plenty of just normal 
pissed off, frumpy housewives who are sitting around and they don't feel good at all when they see this girl come into the coffee shop. You look at them, they are rolling their eyes and going, oh, Jesus Christ, look at this now. Because every fucking time <laughs> this girl walks in the coffee shop, they're reminded of how much they've gone to seed. I don't think that I just wish I was that 22-year-old again. I I think it's that I'm thinking, what you know, and I'm guessing that the lady who remarked on the woman who was scantily clad to you might have been in the same boat going, this is just inappropriate. We fought for women to be taken more seriously. And the older you get, the more, the more you realize how important substance is. Uh, and because, because yeah, you, you, youth is fleeting, right? So it's, it's a little, you know, it's a lot more important to get a personality. No, I totally agree, but I'm just saying it can be both. There are women who would object like ethically or politically, but there's also women who just don't want to see it. Because 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 they are jealous. Because they're afraid their husbands are looking at it. Yeah, which they probably are. I mean, look, if you're just like some middle-aged woman who looks like a rain barrel and some like 20-year-old girl with a fucking 22-inch waist walks in with no clothes on and your husband's got, your husband's like trying his best to fucking like look at his shoes and not look and he feels bad for being attracted to her and and, and she's looking at him and he's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to deal with this when I get home because she's going to come. I saw the way you were looking at that girl in the coffee shop and all this <laughs> shit, you know. <laughs> Because that's totally what's going to happen, right? So I'm just saying, girl, okay, back to the hype title. So girl walks into a coffee shop wearing no clothes. And she says, this is how I feel comfortable. Fuck you if you don't (laughs) like it. So how do we respond? You know, another question is, so first of all, does she have a right to dress that way? Second of all, with the slut walk question, right? Like, the reason it's so insincere to me is like, you you are insisting that everyone believe this thing that is not at all a settled issue okay like what you said about creating creating eunuchs basically i i i, I completely agree that the, like there's this insistence i am only wearing this like it's this insistence on naivete and innocence that is bullshit that i hate like that's what I hate about the slut walk too is that you're all saying, look, we're not doing any what what this? It's like going, oh, this old thing. That's the equivalent. It's like this fucking violent political act against everyone around them, masquerading as, oh, this old thing. I didn't know. Oh, this isn't anything. Like you just spent three hours <laughs> picking out your outfit, and somebody goes, hey, that looks nice, and you go, oh, this old thing. I just threw this on. It's bullshit. Okay, <laughs> you know that this outfit is coded. You know it is, and and the thing is. It's baiting, too. It is. And I've heard women say this to me. That not that just baiting? Now, granted, these were all unattractive women who said this because they have a higher stake in the game. They, they can afford to be honest. You know? They don't dress like that mm-hmm. because they know nobody wants to look at it. Sorry to be the guy who's willing to tell the truth here. I have a good friend of mine. Um, she's overweight. She's 45 years old. She dresses in jeans and sweatshirts. She would say herself, nobody wants to look at this, I would imagine. You know? The thing oh, is, man. that's that's sad. <laughs> now, okay, so should we help her feel better about her? Should she walk into Starbucks with no clothes on and then we can all pretend like that's great and help her feel better? Is that how we should treat people? Should we all pretend like we like things we don't like and pretend to not like things that we do like? No, but but they might say, but uh, there my my boyfriend likes that yeah, and, some people and he's do. the that's one. Great. He's my audience and I I think I look great and he makes me feel great. So what's wrong with that? But the thing is, that's that's great. If that's what you're into, that's great. But don't tell everybody else that they also should be into that. Don't tell me that I'm a piece of shit if I'm not into it. 
Because that's the same thing. Right. Like, I'm not telling you that you're a piece of shit for being attracted to somebody, uh, to, to being in a same-sex relationship. I'm not telling you that you're gross for being attracted to overweight people or underweight people or men or women or anything. But don't tell me that I have to, that I'm not, that I don't have the right to be attracted to something I'm attracted to, right? Because you're insistent on not being a male eunuch, which is great. I mean, I think that's that's good, but there's... I think there are a lot of people sort of torn up inside about what what they like and don't like and aren't sure and oh is this a politically incorrect desire? I mean that's that whole like analyzing your own sexual desires according to these um, political movements and and you know desire is really complicated and and that was the that was the argument that won the day when. The feminists who were into bondage and domination and sadomasochistic sex, you know, were did win out over the feminists who were all upset that anyone would even play around with dominance and submission and inequality because they worked so hard to get rid of that. And so, but but those people said, "Look, desire is really complicated. You know, it doesn't mean I desire to be." dominated in real life by my boss or or you know by by people out on the streets uh what i choose to play around with in my intimate personal experiences is you know is more complicated than uh a simple uh kind of political lineup can capture this stuff is just so much more complicated than we are making it out to be everybody thinks in talking points now you know, when I when I come back to this Rosie K thing, you know, that you can hear that this is people accuse people of these of these thought crimes and hate crimes and they're speaking like, well, what did the person do? And then they explain what they did and they sound like it's like, no, no, I'm sorry. Don't read are you reading cue cards? I'm sorry. Like are you like you're just they're speaking in talking points and they're speaking in pre-programmed therapeutic language that that's been programmed into them. Like this this like they're weaponizing the vocabulary of the therapeutic industry. They're saying they're saying these things that they, they're using words they don't even understand. It's just like hippies walking around, everybody's quoting like quoting like the Yijing, you know. And mispronouncing mm. it. They're going like, that well, man, you just got to clear your head, man. It's like the I Ching says, man, it's like, says something like, far out groovy, man. I don't know what will, but it's the cool though, man. Just check it out. You know, that's like what they fucking sound like to me when they start talking about microaggressions and PTSD. It's just these terms like PTSD. Like you can do, you know, and you can, they, and sociologists have traced, you know, like the word trauma appeared like twice, you know, before 1985. In the, in the year 1985, the trauma appeared twice in British newspapers. And, and, and then in 1995, it appeared 400,000 times. You know, that's the kind of crap that, that shows you, like all of a sudden, everybody uses the word trauma. Everybody uses the word PTSD. Everybody has PTSD, right? Coming back real quick to your point about like the woman dressing like this in a coffee shop, I completely agree. It's not about... Is, this is not about sexuality. It's not about being sexy. It's about control. It's about power. It's like they say, like, I am not sexualizing myself. This is just how I feel comfortable. Just because you don't know what the fuck is going on in your own head doesn't mean it's not happening. Okay? Like, your, your outfit is coded. Okay? If I wear a suit and tie to an interview... That is coded. If I show up in jeans and a T-shirt, that's coded. And my and the person interviewing me is absolutely going to judge me differently 
based he's gonna he's going to make all kinds of assumptions about my respect for him or her or them, my respect for the office, my respect for the job, my respect for myself. All of these things are going to be in there because we are living in a society. I mean, you guys are the fucks always talking about social construction. So we have constructed values. We have, you know, we have codes. We have symbols that mean things. We speak in language that means things. We're just talking in random words here. You know, we've decided that these words, these sounds mean things. You know, that's what that's called like living in a society. You can't just suddenly go like, no, no, no symbols apply to me. No codes apply to me because I am woman. That's like what's going on. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs>